Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Special Spooky Halloween Edition. Yeah, we're not actually going to talk about Unsolved Mysteries. (laughs) So if that's going to be an issue, just just stop this episode right now. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I I realize we did not coordinate with those folks over at Netflix and that season two of Unsolved Mysteries, the reboot has just dropped. And there's probably a lot of new listeners like jumping on the feed going like, what the hell is this? But for the longtime listeners who uh, were with us from the very beginning when we did our first Halloween mini-sode, um, we're going we're gonna to continue in the spirit of that, which is not talking about Unsolved Mysteries, but keeping it spooky, uh, while Robbie eats a number of fun-sized pieces of candy. So, Robbie, what... Also, if you don't like hearing eating on microphone, this is not the episode for you. (laughs) Boy, is it ever. Just go ahead and skip this one. Yeah, yeah. So normally we uh, have a producer that edits our episodes. We will not task him with that this time. I will be editing it because um, he doesn't like that shit. So... Yes. (laughs) Robbie, what's your candy selection today? What do you got in the bag? I bought a bag that was actually... um... It's it's mostly a mix mixture of like Hershey's and Reese's, but it's themed to Halloween. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. have uh, you know a little fun sized um, Hershey's that, uh, bars that are actually tombstones. And, okay. Yeah, and then the cookies. You mean they they're shaped like little frozen pizzas? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. They are not. Sh- well, Tombstone is like a regular size pizza, right? I mean, a, a right. But I was just saying, like the fun size. Oh, tombstone oh that that would it would be, be like yeah. Little... Uh, no, <laughs> no, they are shaped like the tombstones you would find in a graveyard. Well, actually, I guess okay. I just opened one of them up now, and it it it's actually a normal Hershey's bar, but with a tombstone mm-hmm. uh, design on it. Mm. Okay. And I'm eating it right now. Um, okay. Then we have cookies and cream Hershey's. Okay. But they're, mm. they are fangs. I don't know what that okay. means. Hold on. I'll open one of those up and see. Mm. Um, okay. Okay. There's like a fang pattern on here. Like it's the mouth of a vampire. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. It kind of seems like the cookies and cream Hershey's should be more of like a ghost shape, unless there's another like candy in that bag that it's the ghost shape. There, there, well, there's only four things depicted on the bag, and the other two are there's a Reese's uh, where it's shaped like a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Just... Yeah, those are very popular, as I understand. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm digging it right now, and then mm-hmm. what was. Well, the fourth one just seems to be... Hold on. Mm. The fourth one is just a normal Reese's peanut... Fun-sized Reese's peanut butter cup, which... Uh, I mean, it's fine, but I was... I bought this bag... That's ba- not spooky. Yeah, I bought this bag under the expectation that it was it was a entirely Halloween-themed 
a thing unless they're trying huh. to go like really meta with it and it's hmm. it's like well you know candy is is halloween themed so we'll have a candy that's in the shape of a candy uh, uh yeah i i'm sure that's what they were going for yeah when they just tossed those reese's peanut butter cups in there i have to say um of all the candies have a mm. mi- uh, not the full size reese's peanut butter cups but then is it a mini one or is it a full size it, it's it's a mini it's it's sort of you know uh it's uh diameter is is similar to a it's quarter like yeah like a quarter yeah. oh man i love those things mm. i love the little ones i should i should um send you some in the mail <laughs> I could probably just go to a store and buy some. I, oh, I guess uh, that option is ho- available uh, to you. Yes. Unfortunately, Halloween has been canceled at our household, so this is about as this is about the the, the extent of the celebration that I'm going to be doing. Oh. This year, unfortunately, I'm a big Halloween person. Happy uh, Halloween. So I- <laughs> mm. Um, happy mm. Halloween to you as well so let me explain for those of you who are new to how this is going to go we're gonna we're gonna we've selected a topic that we're going to talk about and um while i am speaking robbie will continue to eat candy when he opens a new candy of his choosing he will announce what that is oh yes and so i've already ate like a hershey's a, a cookies and cream Mm-hmm. The peanut, uh, mm-hmm. a, a a pumpkin Reese's and two miniature Reese's for the um, for anyone who's keeping count. Mm. Okay, mm. so and then so as he's going through the bag, he'll announce, "I don't have any candy," as mm. I just stated, because uh, I'm going to keep this this uh, I'm going to keep on trucking <laughs> what we're going to talk about, and what we're going to talk about today is the 1999 movie starring. Guy Pierce and Robert Car- Carlyle called Robbie. What's the movie called? Ravenous. Ravenous. Now exactly what I'm feeling as I open this miniaturesis. Do you feel as though the more candy you eat, the more you will need to eat candy? Uh, it's gonna like like it becomes an insatiable hunger. I like an insatiable hunger, but you feel like stronger. Stronger, yes. Almost like as you eat the candy, yeah, the ailments that were afflicting me before are, 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 are disappearing. I feel stronger. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna describe as Robbie eats the candy. I'm gonna describe mm. what the movie Ravenous is about. If you haven't seen it, um, you know I'm Her gonna sp- we might spoil it. We might spoil the movie. Sorry, it came out 21 years ago. So if you don't want it spoiled again, maybe great time to pause the podcast, go watch the movie. It's a really mm. fun movie. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read the plot synopsis here, and then we're gonna get into talking about the weird and wacky fun in 1840s uh, Sierra Nevada. Wasn't quite California yet. Then was it? No. Uh, so, okay, so Ravenous is, and, and I, and I, if you, listen, if you did not see the movie Ravenous in 1999, I completely understand. I, I do understand that there were a number of extraordinary films that came out in 1999, so this was kind of a sleeper. I think in a normal year, it probably would have made more of a splash as a horror movie, but just because there were so many good movies in 1999, it kind of, like, 
people like missed out on it which Hershey's cookies you know again cream. it's like on I think it's on Netflix it doesn't matter okay so Ravenous is a 1999 western horror film I'm reading directly from Wikipedia is a western horror film directed by Antonio Antonio no Antonio Bird mm-hmm. hey it's a lady yes it's a lady director she, she, from my That's great from my understanding she <laughs> took over from a director who was canned like three weeks into the shoot mm-hmm um, you know, as we discuss this movie now, I ha- I hadn't realized it was a female director. It kind of makes so much more sense now <laughs> that I understand <laughs> that. Um, like I said before, it's starring Guy Pierce, Robert Carlyle, Jeffrey Jones before, you know, his troubles. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't look it up. Uh, da- and David Arquette. Uh, and- remember David Arquette? Yes, I do remember David Arquette. Um, he was just kind of everywhere there in the late '90s, being a being a goof. Yeah, the, uh, this uh, as we talk about this film, he's the only character whose name I can't remember offhand. So everyone else, I will refer to the characters by their name, but I'm going to be referring to him as Private <laughs> David Arquette. <laughs> okay. I don't know what his uh, character's name is either, so that's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, the film revolves around cannibalism in 1840s yum, California, yum. and some elements bear similarities to the story of the Donner Party and that of Alfred Packer. Um, so that's that's the gist of the movie here. Um, listen, guys, this is not a serious film. <laughs> I'm looking at the poster that came out. <laughs> Uh, and it's the title, the or the byline on the poster says, "You are who you eat." So I just want you to understand this is not a serious film. Wait, wait, wait. maybe it was intended to be is, at some point. Is this the post <laughs> poster that has like a blade on it, and in the reflection you see? Mm-mm. Yes, yeah. It well, no, the, the one I'm the one I'm looking at is like a different variation. It's, oh, okay. It's the theatrical release. I think you're referring to the one that was like when it came out in the video. Home video, yeah. There's, there's like a, nobody saw the shit in the theater. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. Has its one million dollar box office all can attest to. Um, <laughs> it's I'm seeing here it was two million dollars. Oh, on okay. A, a, a twelve million dollar budget. <laughs> so. That's not a success. Um, that's what we might call a bomb. Okay. Well, mm. anyway, it's a guys. It's a it's a it's a satire black comedy. It's not a serious movie. It's and a the reason that we're talking about it. It's difficult for, to describe this movie. I mean, it really doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't fall into any particular category, and I would rank it like in the top five of movies that if I had to explain to someone what the movie was like, mm-hmm. I mean, not so much like describe up the, like maybe the plot, just like what, what kind of movie is it? I was like, um, cause I, it's not really, it's not as scary. It's not horror. It's not, uh, outright comedy. It's kind of in between. I mean, yeah. Well, Robbie, did you feel frightened at any point watching this movie? Mm. I wouldn't say I was scared, but I mean, there are moments in the film that are played for like suspense and tension. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like this film takes such radical ninety or one hundred and eighty degree turns at at 
different points that uh, a moment mm-hmm. that lo- looks like it's starting to build up to be like, ooh, it ends up like, what? It, it, I, uh, am I supposed to laugh now? Or I, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Hershey's Cookies and Cream. Okay, uh, here's here's a I'll do a quick plot summary again. This is from Wikipedia. I won't I won't read the whole thing. It's quite long, but here we go. Um, so during the Mexican American War, Second Lieutenant John Boyd, who is played by Guy Pierce, who is fighting in the United States Army, finds his courage fail him and in battle and plays dead at his dead as God. I can't read dead as his unit is massacred. His body, along with other dead are put in a cart and hauled back to Mexican headquarters. However, in a moment of bravery, Boyd seizes the chance to capture the Mexican headquarters. Um, his heroism earns him a captain's promotion, but when General Slauson learns of the cowardice through which victory was achieved, he posts Boyd into exile at Fort Spencer, a remote military outpost high in the Sierra Nevada, commanded by the weary but genial Colonel Hart. Is that um, Jeffrey Jones's character? Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. Um, staffed by a motley array of misfits, the pious private private Toffler, who's who's that he's Toffler is played by the really super blonde guy that's in stuff. Wait, is that no? No, wait, wait. Well, are you talking about because because there's a there's a private Reich. Who... No, I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Who's which one's private? Private Toffler. Well, Private Toffler's like. Uh, the... I thought he was a priest. Yeah, yeah. Toffler's the yeah. Toffler's the the really devout religious one, and Reich is like the yeah. the only actual soldier. Army man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, I don't know who pre- who plays Toffler. It doesn't matter. And I thought he was a priest. I didn't even understand that he was in the army. Um, and <laughs> we have, I have, I, I thought we'll talk about that a little bit later because yeah, there's some strange things going on in this this military thing that I I, I need the situation I need to talk about. But yeah, um, but but there's drug addict drug addicted private Cleves. Now that's David, David Arquette's Arquette. character. Yep. Okay. The drunken Major Knox, mm-hmm. who, I don't even, like, he's just drunk and asleep, right? Yeah, basically, he, like, <laughs> his character is, his char- I mean, his character's intoxicated, but his character is intoxication. Um, I, I think he spends mm-hmm. most more of the movie unconscious than conscious, which is part of the, right. works into the plot but yeah yeah that that that'd be his character uh hershey's milk chocolate um the character's not named hershey's milk (laughs) chocolate we're still talking about uh major Knox. okay and the ferocious private reich who's played by that blonde guy with icy blue eyes that's in a lot of stuff whose name i can't recall yeah i don't know that actor's name but he is totally one of those like that guy's yeah, there's only one. I mean, he's the only guy that looks like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, whoever that guy, you, you you guys know what I'm talking about. He's just like a that guy. Okay. In addition to those people at the fort, there is uh, the Native American scout George and his sister Martha, and um, the, and George is gonna have provide some exposition here. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> 
Okay, so um, Boyd shows up at the uh, at the garrison or the fort or whatever, and then this guy, uh, this stranger named Calhoun, arrives and it tells this uh, tale of woe and horror about how his wagon train became lost in the mountains. Um, if I can find some audio clip of that, I'll insert it here. Um, and uh, Calhoun is uh, played by Robert Carlyle in this situation. Um, and he tells us, uh, Calhoun tells this terrible story about a Colonel Ives. And uh, Colonel Ives had promised the shortcut uh, to California, but he led them as, you know, up in the mountains, so on and so forth. I mean, if anyone's ever played Oregon Trail, they know how this shit works, okay? <laughs> you don't you don't take the shortcut. I'm sorry. Because wow. this is how you, well, end up in one of these situations. Mm-hmm. So uh, they get trapped in the snow for three months. Um and then, you know, racked by starvation, Colonel Ives and his fellow travelers were reduced to cannibalism. And then uh, Calhoun says that Ives uh, had resorted to murder. Uh, uh, so then, you know, everyone at the fort's like, oh, okay. They're t- Calhoun says that there's like one or two survivors. There's a lady that needs mountain. rescuing. Right. Right. So the all the, you know... Uh, Private Reich, you know, he gets a hard on and he's like, let's go get him. <laughs> and then so, but then there's a scene, it's very important, and I don't know why it's actually in this part of the movie. Um, because I guess the scout, the Native American scout George, uh, is like not cool with this whole story that Calhoun is telling. He's just kind of spooked. He's freaked out and about so, the cannibalism. Yeah, he's he's like not. He's like, guys, wait, hold up, before we go to up into the mountains, I gotta tell you something real quick. And so he tells everyone at the fort about the Wendigo myth. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's this: anyone who consumes the flesh of their enemies takes their strength, but becomes a demon cursed by an insatiable hunger for more human flesh. Uh, much much like I am consumed with hunger for these candies that I am eating. Uh, another Reese's pumpkin. Um, I, I'm going to pause my plot summary at this point, Ravenous, because I did a little research. Mm-hmm. Just to, like, not capital R research, but like lowercase r research on uh, the Wendigo myth. Because my entire entree into the Wendigo myth is this movie, Ravenous. <laughs> like, I don't wow. know anything else about it. And um, so I I looked into it this afternoon, and apparently it's uh, of the Algonquin-speaking people. So I guess Algonquin is a group of languages, Mm -hmm. Native American languages. Of those people, there's uh, Wendigo has a number of names, but it's basically the same myth. And so this myth originates with uh, First Nations and tribes in the eastern part of Canada, and also the northeastern United States. So I'm a little confused as to unless unless George the scout is originally from that part of the world and now he's like you know in California who knows possible I guess could, <laughs> I yeah but it doesn't seem super likely to me no. that a, a native american from cream. the western Western part of the United States would probably know Wendigo. Right, yeah. So I, I for one, was just shocked that there was a lack of pan flute music playing while he was telling them this. Though, I did notice there was some chanting that was happening on the audio track. Yeah, I, 
Can we talk about the music in Ravenous for like the mu- the music is like a full third of what makes this movie so weird. <laughs> the music is like sort of it's it's synth it's synth music, but it's made to sound almost like an accordion. Okay, yeah. Um, or like a what it was that old timey thing that you crank and it makes music. Oh, um. Uh, they have them, you know, when the when the French guy and the monkey. Yes. Um, God. I don't, I, I don't I know, know the name of I that. I know what you. I can picture it. Um. Uh. Yeah, but the thing you you crank and and yeah 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 exactly. It, it sounds it sounds akin to that. Uh, but it's a it's a synth reproduction of that sound. It's not. It's not period accurate. It's it's very modern. It also has this like ding 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 like um rhythm to it to that really helps build the tension in the movie. Yes, but it's also like the most insane soundtrack. It it is yeah, and like what and then there's like there's moments in this film where. Well, as I said, you know, when we have these like ninety degree like turns, uh, not to t- go too much into stuff still ahead and, and what happens in the film, but there's there's a moment where we have this increasing tension of this music being played, and then this character starts you know, like this character starts fleeing from a situation and is being chased, and the music becomes the sort of music you'd play if you had a scene where someone was chasing some chickens. Which I, I mean, I, I kind of, kind of fits into the the premise of the film <laughs> quite a bit. But mm-hmm. when I first saw it, when I was watching on HBO, I was like, "Whoa, that came out of nowhere!" I guess this this movie's taking a bit of a lighter turn <laughs> at the, the the moment. Yeah, it really confuses the tone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of the movie. Um, but I, I uh, one of the reasons I love this movie is sort of. The the use of the music is simultaneously so inappropriate for the tone. Yes, but but it also is what makes it complete a completely unique movie. Um, I mean the soundtrack is like an extra character in this movie. Okay, all right. Uh, so here so here we go. The the uh, rescue party is assembled and they are following this guy Calhoun now to this cave up in the Sierra Nevada. And uh, so once they get to the cave, Boyd and, and Private Reich go to investigate inside. And once inside, they discover the bloody remains of five, five skeletons and realize that it was Calhoun that murdered everyone in the party. Uh Oh, spoiler. Twist. Um, yeah. It's this is a pretty grisly scene. Yeah, <laughs> with all the like, skeletons and, to be honest. Now, and like these skeletons, they're all mo- all but one of them are like just hanging from the roof as or rather the ceiling of the the top of mm-hmm. the cave. And that led me to wonder like I mean, did he like 
Because in in the in the story he tells them, this this Ives just starts killing people one by one, and I guess everyone mm-hmm. else sort of like just partakes in eating as well. But this kind of to me suggested perhaps he was he incapacitated everyone and 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 strung them up so like people were still alive as he was eating one, and they had to mm-hmm. the watch in horror as like he would finish with one and then proceed on to the next. That that's ca- at least how my head canon kind of worked with this. Um, I mean, I I think it's hard to say. Yeah. So let's talk about meat preservation for a second. <laughs> well, that, that's what my thought was: was he'd want to like not let not not let not kill them all at once because then he didn't you wouldn't want right. spoilage to happen, right? You don't, and you also don't want to ad- attract other wild animals with decaying flesh. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, on the other hand, you could have a situation where you're putting things on ice for later, right? Because it's cold outside. There's a bunch of snow. You could be preserving that way. But I think, I think Mm. probably Mm. your supposition is correct. Mm. Also, borrowing from other, like, cannibal movies. (laughs) um, God, I just watched a really stupid one recently. What was it called? It's called The Bad Batch. I haven't heard of it. Oh God. <laughs> um it's I think it's it's like a conceptual post-apocalyptic. It's like it reminded me of the movie Rubber, if you've seen Gristle, do you remember in grad school at one point mm-hmm. you you described the movie Rubber to me and you you mm-hmm. uh, you had a very um a very derogatory um, review of it, uh, a yeah. view of it, and I don't. Did I ever mention that I actually, at some point, finally have 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 actually seen that movie? Oh, have you? I have. Uh, I was like, this is that movie mm-hmm. Crystal was telling me about the killer tire. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, well. Um... So, uh, so moving two steps back to, yeah. So, so in the Bad Batch, um, I also, there's the movie The Road. It seems to me that in order to, if you are a cannibal, in order to ensure your food supply, you can't just be indiscriminately killing people. Mm. Because if you don't have proper refrigeration, which presumably you're only eating people because that's your only food source because you're in some post-apocalyptic situation um you you want to keep them alive yes um and then sort of slowly break them down so i think just based on other cannibal movies i've seen i think maybe your supposition with uh with calhoun is right is that he must have restrained because there's Folks. there's one there's like one skeleton on the floor, right? And that was like the person mm-hmm. who, the the, I I I, I you know, yeah. It, it just it, it strikes me as that 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 would be the situation because, because um, obviously what he told the story he told is not you know is not probably not even remotely close to being true. Uh, uh when when they get to the actual eating of, of people, um, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, it just, yeah, cause like, why else would you have these four hung up, uh, unless, unless you're doing like a predator tribute, uh, <laughs> moment, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, 
uh, sorry. Uh, I I just I just I felt really strongly that 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 is the case. I I think it's a it's an important point to bring up because I I've, I've seen this movie a lot, and I'm always kind of like, what, what's going on in this cave? Like, what's the real story here? Right. Uh, okay. So here's the thing. Uh, Lieutenant Boyd realizes very quickly what has happened here. He's and, a he's a uh, captain now. When, when, oh, sorry. He, he, he was promoted. <laughs> Forgot he got promoted. Yeah, that was that was the thing. <laughs> like his 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 superiors, they knew that he was a coward uh, and and uh, had played dead or whatever. But he also ended up taking that fort in the Mexican American War. So I guess like there, rather than just assuming the two things like cancel each other out, they they kind of it seemed like they kind of pursued like a response to each situation. They promoted him for taking the fort, but they also mm-hmm. kicked him into this bum ass now in the middle of nowhere posting as punishment for the original cowardice. Cowardice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a scene. Um, I should have mentioned it at the very beginning of the movie um, where they're having sort of their celebration dinner. Uh, where everyone is being served this like hulking slab of beef, bloody beef, and it's slapped down in front of Boyd, and Boyd has this look on his face like uh, just he's completely nauseous. I think he even throws up. He steps away from the table and vomits at some point. And then that's interspersed with um, the cuts cuts back to him um, overtaking the fort Mm -hmm. and the battle. So there's he's got you know something going on right that's sort of implied at the beginning of the movie there's something with him like he's a vegetarian uh or or something like that i think i really do think him not eating the steak had more to do with him being sort of like being called a coward than anything else that's 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 legitimate like uh you know like a, a fear of academic or professional failure i know is something that probably like unsettles me more than anything like i would rather be bare like have like nine layers of dead bodies dumped on me in a cart with blood pouring all over my face like i could handle that more than like making a big foul up at work hmm hershey's cookies and cream yeah i mean that uh we are very different people in that respect. Oh, okay. So, um, we'll, but we'll save that for our therapist later. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so back to the cave and the mountains. Uh, so Calhoun successfully basically broke up the rescue party and, and Boyd has realized that Calhoun has led them up there because he wants to eat them too. And so Calhoun, um, you know what's interesting though is how quickly Boyd understands Calhoun's motivations. It's very it's instantaneous. Oh, well, because he's he yeah. Knows. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. No, sorry. Because he well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he has a past, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So so while Boyd and Riker in the uh, the cave, Calhoun quickly kills uh, George, the scout, the Native American scout, Toffler, and uh, Colonel Hart. And, and then after a brief 
brief struggle of Reich. Reich and Boyd, you know, run back out of the cave and, and uh, Calhoun quickly kills Reich. And there's a really interesting standoff, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Carlyle is just delicious and insane. <laughs> this movie. <laughs> um, and, it's, and it's clear that all Reese's of this is pumpkin. just a game a game to him so he's just basically toying with boyd and basically what happens is boyd just like exits by jumping off a cliff right to get away from he knows he's calhoun he knows he knows he's not going to be able to stop calhoun so like the best he can do is just like deprive him of an extra meal is basically right so the thing is though um he tumbles all the way down. He falls in sort of this enclave of fallen trees under this sort of pit. And we, the camera scrolls over after Boyd is done falling down the mountain. And we see um, Reich's dead body has also, it's hanging there suspended yeah. next to Boyd. Uh, Boyd, unfortunately, has broken his leg in this massive fall. And so a couple of day I mean, a couple of days pass, a couple of nights pass. Boyd's looking over at Reich's dead body and his uh, clear dead blue eyes <laughs> that only that actor has. And he uh, he understands what needs to be done to survive the situation. Uh, it's weird how he understood that, though. Again, not clear how he knows what he needs to do. I don't really understand how eating... Uh, a dead person fixes your leg, but Boyd somehow sure knew that was the thing to do. Yeah. Um. So Boyd finally limps back to the fort. Uh, he's pretty. He's pretty banged up. He's traumatized. Um. He returns to find that has been reinforced by General Slauson from the beginning of the movie. Movie, and then there's a detachment of uh, more cavalry. Cleves, who didn't go with the rescue party, Cleves is the. Uh, David Arquette David, character. David Arquette. Yeah, because, like, basically, anyone who didn't go on that party has a reason for not even knowing uh, that they left. Because Major Knox was dead, you know, blackout drunk. And I think Cleves mm-hmm. and Martha, they went to go get supplies or something before the expedition. And they're back now. Is that was that? It? Oh yeah, something yeah. something like yeah. that. So it was so it was just it was just Knox who was there by himself, drunk, I guess, <laughs> to hold down, literally to hold down the fort. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. I also I failed to mention though in the process of uh. <laughs> in the process of going up to the cave and retracing Calhoun's steps. Um, it, it takes a while, right? Because they're tr- basically trudging through, you know, hard terrain. So they don't instantaneously get there. It takes no. them like a day or two. Yeah. And so there's an overnight scene. Or At some point, uh, the, the guy who I thought was the priest, who I guess was also in the army. Um, at some point, he injures himself. And he wakes up in the middle of the night to Calhoun licking his open wound. Mm-hmm. He was like, what? He was licking me! And there is a very funny scene. If I find, if, if I can find the audio, I'll drop it in right here. But uh, it's a very funny scene of um, 
uh, the character is it Toffler? Uh, yelling, yeah. yelling, the bad man is licking me. <laughs> Mr. Cajon, yes, you come outside. Outside, you can sleep outside. You... Boy, you too. Stay there. Sick man outside. <laughs> so I'm just gonna take take uh, a minute out from the narrative here to um, sure to bring up the subject of homoerotic uh subtext um i love when you bring up homoerotic subtext i i know you do uh it's 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 always your your favorite part of every conversation we have and it invariably happens mm-hmm. um yeah every episode of reenacted we yeah. bring up the homoerotic subtext that, that's what people know us for mm-hmm. <laughs> um it, i have a actually i have a one of my really Good. It's so funny that when you suggested this episode, because this is like one of your favorite movies, because one of my other very good friends, this is one of their favorite films. And huh. she likes it. Like, I mean, it, it's kind of like this film combines two themes that she really uh, enjoys in films. One is, of course, cannibalism. Mm-hmm. And the, the okay. other is like, you know, Guy on guy, sort of sexual tension. Hmm. Uh, so, like, is that what's happening in this movie? <laughs> did 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 you? Uh, so I was, I'm just posing to you. Did do you, do you feel that there's 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 sexual tension between Richard Car- Carlyle and Guy Pierce in this film? If it's, it, there might be, but I don't think it's intentional. Okay. I don't think it's an intentional part of the movie. I don't want to say that's incorrect. Maybe I'm just not. No, no. I, well, I mean, it's something that could be interpreted a, a number of different ways. It could be, it's more, uh, I, ca- like, like cannibal, um, cannibal mm-hmm. respect game cannibal sort of mm-hmm. sort of situation like you know we have both like consumed other human beings and so there's like as as you you said earlier the sort of like this understanding that comes from that what about you captain boyd you don't eat meat oh no he won't only as a last resort it's a pity uh reese's pumpkin yeah i'm i you could you could replace I mean, I'm hesitant to do it because this movie is sort of so goofy and also bloody, but you could replace the concept of cannibalism here with homosexuality, and I think it would it would it would kind of mesh nicely, right? Because um, Calhoun inherently understands he gets it completely, like what kind of person um, Captain Boyd is. Yeah. He gets he, he he like knows him in some sort of, I guess, carnal way. Um, so yeah, I guess you could. While I wouldn't say it's explicit, I think you could make a comparison here of the of the concept of cannibalism. Um, you could replace it with homosexuality here. Sort of just just like Ex- this. They have this tacit like unspoken like they they know they know the other person uh uh, what's up with the other person right um but i think maybe that doesn't hold through the rest of the movie okay 
but maybe it does. I don't. I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll, I think that's a really we'll, interesting. We'll read. find it. We'll find. We'll find. We'll figure it out as we go along. <laughs> I think that's a really interesting interpretation. Yeah. I just. I guess I hadn't really. Well, because con- like considered cause that in, but... in in the well, not to not to jump the gun, but uh, when we reach the ending and the way it ends, um, well, we'll 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 talk about it when we get there. Okay, so we're we're back at the fort. Boyd has limped back. Um, Cleves and Martha. Um, oh yeah, they were on a supply mission when Calhoun showed up at the fort. So they never even met Calhoun. They don't know what he looks yeah. like. Um, and no- Knox was too drunk to <laughs> I to even know what the fuck was going on when Calhoun showed up. Um, okay, so the only person who knows who what Calhoun looks like is that's left is Boyd. Um, so, uh, you know, Boyd's trying to, like, tell the story. Uh, he goes, uh, some guys that came with Slauson, uh, go on a second expedition up to the cave, and there's, they find no bodies or any trace of, of the man Calhoun. Um, so, seeing as, you know, Colonel Jeffrey Jones, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> completely forgot his name Art. already, is is deceased yeah. and all the other like ranking um people are gone and everybody thinks captain boyd is a piece of shit is there a problem not with you colonel uh, i guess yeah. <laughs> is what happened and let me t- just talk it real real quickly here about what a strange rank structure this this outpost has because oh please please do tell because i don't understand any of yeah. it yeah i mean well i mean and <laughs> I, I guess I can kind of understand first why none of them are really in in uniform, proper uniform, like because you know they're all wearing like extra layers and stuff because it's winter or, or whatever mm-hmm. or fine you know and you know they're kind of out in the middle of nowhere but it's strange like Jeffrey uh, Hart was a colonel, then you have Major Knox, and then now you mm-hmm. have Captain Boyd. And then mm-hmm. underneath them, I mean, not counting like the uh, the two Native Americans who are, who are c- civilians. Underneath them, right. you have three privates, and there's mm-hmm. no like there's no NCOs, and like the rake ratio there mm-hmm. is totally ske- skewed out of proportion. Like a, mm-hmm. a colonel typically is commanding, you know, people uh, like. Th- a group of people in like the range of thousands of individuals uh mm-hmm. it, it would it would be more appropriate for this place to just have like boyd and like the three privates and well actually it should it should right. have a few more privates and like a sergeant or something it, it is just it is such so such a like even when i was watching it as a uh back 20 years ago when they showed it on like HBO a lot one summer uh, it, mm-hmm. it was it was like why is there a colonel out there why why and why is there a mm-hmm. why do they need a major in addition to the the, the colonel I, I don't get this I I think it's probably just because that's where they they put the bad men that they don't want to deal with they ship them they, out so the colonel must have done something incompetent and it does kind of like you there know? is like yeah there is this sort of subtle suggestion like it's never i don't think it's really stated but it it kind of feels like this is basically um fort doofus 
and they just mm-hmm. they, anyone that they want to get rid of, <laughs> they just send there. <laughs> um. Y- yes. I think I think that's the implication. It is Fort Toothpick. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, we got this this major who's just like blackout drunk all the time. We'll send him there. Mm-hmm. You know, we got this this uh, yeah. we got this one. Uh, uh, you know, P- Private David Arquette is just a stoner. Yeah. Before that was even right, even a thing. I mean, uh, right. The private uh, Private uh, Top Topper is just. I mean, he's he's not gonna. This guy. This guy won't. He's he's like simple. He's like really simple. Yeah, you know what he, I mean? He's, he's, I mean, he's he's not he's not going to be able to to fight on the battlefield. He's 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 too he's too uh, he's just he's too soft and too compassionate and whatnot. And so and then and Private Reich is the the exact opposite. He's kind of like he's kind of scary. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Private Reich is like. Well, the montage when they're introducing all of the characters is Private Reich has a very intense scene where he's like shirtless in a freezing creek screaming. And he like and um, not scream like he it's like he and he's enjoying what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hershey's cookies. And so. Cream. <laughs> so basically. Oh, man, we're going to spend like two hours talking about this. 90 minutes. That's movie. fine. That's fine. Let's um, keep going. <laughs> All right, so uh, so basically, what happens is Boyd is the only one that real knows what Calhoun looks like, and so when Slauson shows up to put um, a new person in charge of the fort because Colonel Jeffrey Jones is now deceased, uh, we get someone named uh, Ives. We get the Colonel Ives, <laughs> and guess who Colonel <laughs> Ives really is? It's Calhoun, Robert Carlyle's character. And so Boyd is freaking the fuck out. He's like, whoa, 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 I stabbed this motherfucker. Like, I'll, like, and so, you know, Colonel Ives is playing it very cool. He's like, I, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, and he opens his shirt in front of everyone. There's no wounds to be seen. Um, so Boyd is just like losing his mind. <laughs> Or he feels like he's losing his mind yeah, at this the, point, and there's no one else to back him up. It, it it plays very much like in any sitcom when a like some weird distant cousin comes to visit, and it turns out they're a really bad kid, and they they mm-hmm. end up like turning the family against one of the main character kids by making them seem crazy, mm-hmm. while while they're like mm-hmm. yeah, it, it it's it's exactly the same sort of trope. Yeah. And uh, so at some point in in a following night, Calhoun gets Boyd alone. It's not Calhoun, it's Colonel Ives. It was probably Colonel Ives the entire time. This Calhoun character is made up. (laughs) So it was probably Colonel Ives this entire time. Um, Because you can't just, like, fake being a colonel. So the army had to have some record of this guy. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't. Yeah, um... Maybe he isn't Colonel Ives, maybe he isn't Calhoun, maybe he isn't any of these things. Yeah, we'll never know because anyone who could testify to it has been consumed. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, uh, anyway, so Calhoun takes Boyd aside and secretly tells him that, you know, uh, he used to suffer from tuberculosis, uh, but then a uh, Native Native American scout told him about the Wendigo myth, and then, um, I'm, you know, I'm assuming the Native American scout when he told him of the Wendigo myth, it was like, watch out. Not like, hey, here's what's going to cure your tuberculosis. Right. But anyway, uh, uh, Colonel Ives decided he just had to try. And uh, this 
whole thing. So and uh, he murders the scout. <laughs> so and then he eats him. And then I guess his tuberculosis was cured. Yeah. And so he's been he's been eating people ever since. Uh so anywho. Um uh so Calhoun reveals his, you know, as any good villain would, he reveals his entire plan to uh Boyd because no one's gonna believe a damn thing Boyd says at this point. Yeah. Um, so Calhoun's plan is to basically, you know, in the old West forts were used for settlers coming West to kind of resupply, you know, feed their horses, whatever. And so Calhoun's plan is, or sorry, Colonel Ives plan is to catch, um, any, anyone coming to the fort and then eat them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, then shortly after this, Cleves is mysteriously, uh, killed. Mm-hmm. Um, with an axe to his head, if I recall, that might be wrong. Um, and so Boyd is suspected of the murder because no, everybody thinks Boyd's a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, while chained up for having murdered, he he watches as Knox is uh, uh, Knox is murdered. Um, well, what he doesn't he doesn't observe Knox's death like that happened like. Because at some point or something, doesn't he, like, scream out his name? And Knox is like, shut the fuck up. And, and, and like, Boyd is yeah. sort of just relieved because he's like, okay, he's he's still alive. Right. Right. Okay, so so Boyd is tied up because David Arquette's character shows up dead. And Knox has just been drunk this whole time, I guess. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, and then while Boyd is chained up for having, being suspected of murdering Cleves... He watches as Knox is murdered by Calhoun's unexpected ally, Colonel Hart, a.k.a. Jeffrey Jones, who we all thought died at the cave. Um, So uh, anyway, so then there's this whole scene where they're eating stew of (laughs) Knox. Stew a la Major Knox. (laughs) Stew a la Major Knox. And, you know, uh, Colonel Hart tells this whole story about, like, being revived and coming back to life after eating. Who did he eat? Uh, just, I... George? Well, there, there was there was George <laughs> Toppler. Uh-huh. Uh, Toffler. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess I guess that those were the only two they had available for them for consumption, because uh, Reich was with Boyd in the, the hole. Um, you know, there's a whole... After this whole stew scene of Stew of Knox, there's a big, like, fight a big the final standoff mm-hmm. um i think between uh boyd and calhoun slash colonel lives and they they sort of uh calhoun mortally wounds boyd and at this point boyd has to make a choice which is eat or die and that's what calhoun says to him yep mm. you know ben franklin once said eat to live. Don't live to eat. Huh? Huh? Well, it's an easy decision, Boyd. You can either famine or feast. Live or die. So, um, Boyd eats the Knox stew. <laughs> <laughs> That's his choice. 
Um, but then rather than continue to live with this plan of catching settlers as they come out west, so uh, and they were and there was some other conspiracy where like Colonel Hart and Calhoun are going to convert General Slauson to being a cannibal. Boyd then so Boyd's been tied up this whole time. Boyd convinces Hart to free him so he can kill Calhoun, and then oh, that's when they have the big fight. Sorry, they didn't have the big fight. I guess I guess Calhoun just stabs Boyd while he's tied up. Yeah, and then makes him eat the stew. Um, And so at some point, (laughs) at the very end, um, Boyd and Calhoun, after stabbing each other multiple times, (laughs) multiple times. they uh, end up entwined in a, and snapped together in a large bear trap face to face. I guess this is maybe where your friend kind of got the homoeroticism because they're basically on top of yeah, each other. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think, I think this is a major component of it because, yeah, they're sort of like they're, they're being held together in this almost like this embrace. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so basically, like, Calhoun is taunting Boyd and saying, like, when you, I'm going to eat you to stay alive. I'm going to eat you. I'm going to eat your dumb face. I'm going to love, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love eating your face. <laughs> and then, and then Boyd doesn't really say anything. Um, uh, but, and then Calhoun dies. And then, uh, I guess Hart, I don't know what happens with uh, Hart. Well, when Hart, he when, yeah, when, when Boyd convinced Hart to let, let him go, Hart was like, I, asked Boyd to kill him uh just because he didn't he 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 didn't want to be a part of the evil plan to to like just start Mm -hmm. eating an endless stream Mm -hmm. of settlers but I I think like I think the thing was is he understood that like he wouldn't be able to resist the only way he could stop it is if he if he Mm -hmm. is if his is if he was killed uh in in some ways it's kind of like if you if you traded cannibal for vampire uh, you could you could make pretty mm-hmm. much this exact same movie, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so. I mean, this, yeah, So um, so I mean, it's it's like so. This situation with the with Colonel Hart is. I mean, it'd be like if he was a vampire. You know, it'd be that he's at that point where like he's not so far. He has like some residual humanity, and you know he's like mm-hmm. this. You know, destroy me, uh, before I I you know became a full monster or something. Um. Um. So I, at some point between getting trapped in the bear trap with Calhoun, and there's a, another flashback where we see how Boyd was able to. They, it's it's pretty rugged. <laughs> um, it shows him crawling out of the cart of dead bodies in the battle back in uh, uh, the Mexican American War. Mm-hmm. And the reason that he was able to do that is because so much blood and kind of gristle had from the other bodies had dripped into his mouth. It gave him um, the power. It gave him the power, and that's why he was feeling very nauseous at the sight of like that bloody steak. It was like had a he understood, and Calhoun understood that about him immediately because I guess they like had the secret handshake or whatever mm-hmm. of cannibals. <laughs> Um, that Boyd had known what it was like to consume human flesh. And that's actually how he was able to overtake the fort and win the battle. Um, so anyway, they're in the bear trap. Calhoun dies. Boyd's not going to eat him. 
Uh, General Slossom returns um, after all this has gone down, <laughs> but dinner's still on still on the uh, stove there, and the general chase the stew mm-hmm. of Knox that has been left on the fire. And uh, I guess Martha was with General Slossom at this point, and she kind of just like checks out the vibe. Yeah. And she sees Calhoun and Boyd in the bear trap. Boyd's not quite dead. And she sees all the bodies. And she just kind of like um, closes the door and walks away. And then the last shot of the film is Martha just leaving the floor. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, a very rational decision on her part. Because she's like, some really bad shit went down here. I'm a Native American woman. Uh, which, mm-hmm. I mean, what are the odds that they'll believe whatever it is I tell them? This is probably not going to end well for me. So I'm just going to get the fuck out, I, I think is. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a very smart read of it, too. I I think the ending of this movie is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> because she, un, un, you know, unfortunately, she's in the trope of, like, Native or Asian women who don't speak. Right. Um, but It's explicitly uh, stated. Unfortunate. That she, she, yeah. Yeah. She has no lines in this movie, but at the very end, she just basically is just like, um, I, how I read it, the look on her face is she's just had it. She's just had it with these fools. <laughs> <laughs> so she's out. She's just like, she's done with this whole situation. Um, she's also notably the only woman in the movie. Right. And she... She survives and and walks away. She's the final girl just, of the film. Yeah, she she is. Well, she's the final and only yeah. girl <laughs> of the film. But uh, I I kind of when I mentioned earlier how much it all makes sense now that I know that there is a female director because this movie is simultaneous. I mean, the message of the movie is like dudes rock. I think like it, it's that dudes rock. <laughs> Yeah, it's that dude's rock, but also, like, men are very silly. Oh, and, okay, so it's, like, simultaneously the, those two messages. Yeah, it's simultaneously, like, dude's rock, but then also, like, because the final shot is the native woman basically rolling her eyes and walking away, because this is just this is just some white men nonsense, basically, is what happened. <laughs> Yeah, I I think the ending of I think the ending of this movie is perfect. I really okay. do. Um, and then you and then we see her trudge out into the snow, and that's it. While the crazy ass music, <laughs> while the crazy ass music's played. Have Have you watched the trailer for this film? I have. Yeah, I I um, it it is. Dave and I watched it before I made him watch the movie. <laughs> It is it is just as crazy, if not more, than the film itself. It, like, tonally, mm-hmm. it's just so strange. But, yeah, this this movie. Uh, I mean, and it, when when we get the flashback and we see how Boyd took the fort, um, it's uh, like because I mean, when he when he gets yeah when he gets disgusted at the stake, like. Re- watching the, the that scene first, you would think you're like, oh well, yeah, it's the stakes so un- underdone, and he's just disgusted by that, or or maybe he's just upset by the situation. Mm-hmm. But like, I think you know, you you watch it again, and you're like, in a way, he's kind of like he's disgusted by the fact that he like 
he he's looking down at that raw steak and he's just thinking about like the the taste of human human flesh and he's disgusted mm-hmm. by himself um yeah and what and and so i i talked with you about this before we started recording uh when i watched this film i'm like okay this you know back 20 years ago i was like this is a movie about cannibals and stuff um and the film at the time i was like in the film i i felt the film gave this sort of it's like it has the suggestion that somehow human flesh is more nutritious than the flesh of other animals or something because it seems to suggest that like Mm -hmm. it heals you up really quickly but Mm-hmm. I guess when I, you know, when I watched it back then, I didn't really pick up on the Wendigo uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you're uh, watching watching it again for the first time in, in two decades, I kind of wondered whether the, the film is suggesting that there is some sort of supernatural aspect to it because the the consumption of, of, of this human, human flesh seems to give not just the normal sort of new strength you get from eating meat, but like superhuman strength. I mean, Boyd takes over an entire mm-hmm. fort and then, uh, uh, Calhoun slash Colonel Ives pretty much wipes out a fort himself because of this. Like, cause Boyd shoot, I mean, Boyd shoots him. We see that like it, Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a situation where there's a book in the pocket and it's I, like Calhoun was hit and was bleeding and he has no wound, mm-hmm. no wound from mm-hmm. from from it. Because like eating the human flesh not only uh, uh, helped him heal, it it prevented him like from even having a scar. And with Colonel Hart, I don't know. Uh, it kind of seems like he seems younger after uh, mm-hmm. Like like before, he was kind of old and tired, but now he's he he's he's like rejuvenated, and I don't know. It, it kind of like I'd be interested to hear your your, your thoughts. Like it, it seems like the film could be interpreted as suggesting that there there is more than just the 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 raw flesh and whatever you know protein you're getting out of it. Like that you're actually are consuming some sort of strength from the, the individual, uh, that you, that you had, uh, that, that who, who had, you know, previously composed that, that body. It's kind of like when, the, when, the, when Boyd does partake in the, uh, stew a la major Knox after, mm-hmm. after Calhoun has stabbed him, I feel like he's like, okay, I got to stop these guys. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I don't die from this knife wound. And so he just, he mm-hmm. eats like a couple of bull, bowls of the soup of human flesh and the knife wound is no longer an issue. And he, and he now has the mm-hmm. strength to fight, uh, 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 Robert Carlyle's character one on one, even playing of cannibal, uh, uh, power. Mm-hmm. I well, I I mean, I think that's the correct interpretation <laughs> of it. Is that there is this? Um, that's why we have the exposition with George in the beginning, right? Um, talking about Wendigo, even though that's likely not something he <laughs> knew from his culture. 
But uh, yeah, I I think that's the correct interpretation. I mean, part of the Wendigo myth is that you become stronger and more powerful, but your hunger is insatiable. Insatiable. Or, well, I mean, the the reason the movie is called Ravenous, because ravenous is a very particular term to describe a deep hunger for meat mm-hmm. oh for meat spe- it doesn't just specifically. mean specifically hu- interesting yes okay. specifically the word ravenous <laughs> means a hunger for meat and it doesn't just mean like a lot of people would just say i'm ravenously hungry it's like it doesn't just mean you're really hungry it means you are hungry for meat ah. so um and that's why it's frequently ap- uh, applied to like predatory animals okay to say that they're ravenous right. um so, yeah, I mean, that's right there in the title. But, yeah, I th- the idea is that there is that once you have tasted human flesh, you become Wendigo. You become possessed with this spirit well, it, that can never be satisfied. Right. And they kind of um, when when Boyd is sort of locked away when they when uh, when he returned to the Ford and everyone thought he was crazy. He has that moment where he has a daydream where he's killing David Arquette and cutting him up. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, mm-hmm. and, and clearly it's suggesting that like that hunger, that hunger is inside of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, inter- it's interesting that Boyd wants to, Boyd denies it while um, Calhoun embraces it. Yeah. But that's the whole thing about the movie. That's the <laughs> yeah, conflict that's the, of the movie. That's, that's, so. Yeah. That's the premise of the film. <laughs> Um, Robbie, let me, uh, let me ask you this, um, under any circumstance, would you ever consume, uh, assuming you don't have to murder someone, (laughs) would you ever consume a human flesh? Uh, you know, it, like with any sort of scenario, when it gets posed to you, Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't Mm -hmm. ever really know. Right, you can you can say what you think mm-hmm. what you think you might do, what you would like mm-hmm. to think you might do, but mm-hmm. I mean I don't know if I if I was I guess if I was stuck somewhere remote, and uh, I, I I I'm sure I would be revolted by the idea. I would yeah, mm-hmm. I would definitely like resist, but I can only I I mean I've never known. Like real hunger. I mean, like starva- mm. actual starvation. I mean, I mean, yeah. There's been a couple of times in my life where it's like, you know, my my, you know, what I ate for the day was basically like, you know, a one dollar clearance loaf of bread from a grocery store, and and maybe mm-hmm. you know if 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 i if i was so fortunate enough to have like 2 dollars i i was getting a lot of bologna sandwiches out of that but i mean to like go day after day of just not having mm-hmm. ate uh mm-hmm. i can only imagine what that must be like and it, it's it you know it's it's sort of like you know certain foods that you would find just unappealing uh, if if you you know we're, we're already full. Like if you were like instead really hungry and you hadn't ate all day, uh, they, they seem to taste better. Um, 
Mm. Or, you know, it's like maybe some normal under under normal circumstances, you drink you drink some water and you're just like, eh, this this is just sort of, you know, a bland experience. But if it's a hot day and you're you've been sweating, and you're really thirsty and, a, you know, you're drinking cold water, it feels like you're drinking like the nectar of life. Uh, so mm. I don't know, maybe maybe yeah. after like a couple of weeks where I'm just like uh where every like thought is just about the hunger maybe maybe that body starts uh, maybe that body in the freezer or, or out out in the I, i'm assuming this is like a plane crash situation so it's probably like just out in the snow in the andes is it i <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was just saying under any circumstance. So, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, I think naturally going to the most extreme. Right. Survival. Well, it's, it's, it's certainly a lot, not like I ever spent any time in any of our grad classes, just looking around at everyone and wondering like, you know, what they all taste like or anything. That's just, that's ridiculous. Crystal. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's in, why would you, why would you even say that? That's very silly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's my answer. What's yours? Um, uh, I, you know, this is, I hope this doesn't end up in me getting investigated by the FBI or something, but, uh, I think, I think under the correct circumstances, Mm-hmm. Where I know someone has not been murdered okay. or killed, yeah. and it's prepared well. Right, right. Oh, of course. Like if it's if it's cooked, that that that's that's a yeah. huge thing right there. Yeah, I mean, if it's just like a situation where I'm in some kind of like weird dungeon club. <laughs> And someone's like, this is real. This is real, by the way. Like, people have, like, their fetishes to be eaten. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, read, and I've someone... read those news, news articles. <laughs> and then, like, and, and I'm some, and they're not, they've not been murdered. Yeah. And it's prepared well. And I am simultaneously satisfying a slight curiosity on my part, as well as, um, helping them in their very insane fetish. Um, I don't see the harm in that, I guess is what I'm Interesting. saying. Interesting. I, I think it would be a lot more difficult if it were, I think it would be a lot more difficult in my end if it were an extreme situation. Yeah. Oh, where, fascinating. Where, where it's just like, here's, here's a dead body and you haven't eaten in days and you're out in the world. I think that would be harder for me. Okay to deal with <laughs> honestly <laughs> if i'm confronted with you have to like this is getting really grisly hey robbie how many pieces of candy did you end up eating? i ate the entire bag i'm kind of wow how many how many were in the bag um here let me let me pick up the bag it says it says on here um 25 pieces wow. i'm kind of glad that you, wow. you talked me out of because I remember my original pitch for for this mm-hmm. episode was uh, for longtime listeners will know that I once uh, fantasized about a um, carnival oh, food item, which Jesus. was essentially uh, what was it? Ten pounds of vanilla ice cream. 
There's a lot of ice cream. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of nauseous just thinking about it. this. Is this ice cream idea is making me more nauseous than us just talking about cannibalism for an hour? <laughs> oh yeah. God, dude. I, I'm, I'm yeah. I'm glad you didn't do that. Yeah, I because I, I, I'm already kind of feeling a little. Um, like maybe I shouldn't yeah. have ate all that entire bag of candy. I can only imagine. Yeah, well, I can only imagine what the situation would be like with that ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I mean, don't, don't lose a foot. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. Hey, um, Robbie, we should probably wrap this up. Yes, though, because uh, this has been a great, uh, a great episode. Great spooky talking about one of my fave movies. I guess you could call it a horror movie, but it's more of a comedy. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think probably the next episode will be a regular one. Yeah? I think so. Where we talk about unsolved mysteries. <laughs> Actually, you know, this movie raises an unsolved mystery that I have had trouble with for the last 20 years. Okay. Which is, why wasn't Guy Pierce like, more of a thing than he was? Oh, that's a fascinating... Um question yeah uh what what's he's what would he what would you say he's primarily known for now uh career-wise um probably i don't know like memento maybe is the one that yeah looking him up on google that's the first thing that shows up um I mean, he's been he's been steadily working, yeah, for a really long time. But like, he's not like he wasn't. More, I just like was why wasn't he more of a thing? Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. I'm looking at this. You're right. He uh, steady, uh, consistent work, and you know, and in in a you know not not in a very not in a limited way either. I mean, he's playing major characters in these films, but mm-hmm. but he yeah he is not. Um, like when you say his name you don't it's it's not the same as when you say like a um a Russell Crowe or a Robert Downey Jr or i mean like someone right. that you're like this is someone who will just like you just put their name at the top of the uh the poster and that just draws in the the mm-hmm. the uh draws in the the audience right there um i don't know crystal uh, if if the people, I mean, I I like to imagine an alternative history where Guy Pierce had Brad Pitt's career. Ooh, like but... okay. <laughs> but I don't. I truly don't understand. Like I I I thought he was. I think he is still very good looking. He's good at what he does. He's a good actor. Um, I mean, yeah. I I don't. I just don't understand why he was more of a thing. I can totally picture him being in any of the movies Brad Pitt has been in in the last twenty years and pulling them yeah. off just as uh, just as well. I... Yeah, he could have been in Ad Astra easy. Yeah. <laughs> I I had to stop myself because I keep calling that movie Dad Astra, and that's not the movie. <laughs> It should be, but it isn't. <laughs> Maybe because um, that's that's that was the primary audience for the film. <laughs> well, no, it was about Brad Pitt's character going to find his dad in space. Oh, called, okay. I kept calling it Dad Astra. Yeah. I'm sure I'm not even the person who first made that joke. But yeah. anyway, um, that's my unsolved mystery this week. Is <laughs> why wasn't Guy Pierce more of a thing? I see. He should have been. God damn it. Uh, 
anyway, we got to wrap this thing up, man. I got I got Halloween. I got spooky shit I got to do right now. Spooky. Okay. Um, if um, uh, usual stuff about like follow us on social media. The, this isn't a normal episode, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to name all the things. No. Uh, Who cares? Yeah. Really? Just I want I want all the, I want everyone just to have a really happy Halloween in whatever safe way that they yes. can. How about that? Happy Halloween! Happy, happy Halloween.